0: deviant deviate how many of you heard those words it's really important in a lot of aspects of our lives that we understand what that means when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a a z-pack they call it usually the last thing they say now make sure you take them all even if you start feeling better at whatever day Take them all, because you need to complete that pack to get well. So don't deviate, the doctor says. Do what I tell you. Laws are made. Whether we like them or not, we're not supposed to deviate from them. It says 55. That's not talking about retirement. That's the speed that has been determined by some professional somewhere that says that's safer than 65. We're not to deviate from it. Why? Because when we deviate from things, we start to get away from them, and the possibility and the larger risk ensues us to cause us problems. The fuel gauge on your car. It has an F for a reason. And the opposite from that is an E. It's there to give you a warning. Now, if you want to risk and deviate from the E, go have at it. Because there's a lot of circumstances that can change all that is filtered in there of when it starts to hit that E. And now in the newer cars, the light comes on. And what is our first thought? Well, I wonder how many miles I got. Well, you know, it really depends on you, how heavy of a foot you got, how fast you go, how slow you go, how many starts and stops. If you deviate from the E, you're just opening yourself up for the possibility of having a problem. We have deviated from the Word of God, and we must confess before God that we have deviated from His Word. Today, we're going to spend some time on something that seems so elementary, especially within the church, and yet the church is the one who deviated or allowed the deviations such that we have the chaos in our world that we do today. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you want, you can turn to Romans 3.23. We will not stay there, but we need to lay the groundwork before we get into the topic for this morning. We need to make sure all of us here this morning and you online and whoever will listen to this later on understands that we're not oblivious to the world. Romans 3, 23, familiar passage says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it goes on to say, being justified is a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. But mainly, the message is there, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us in this room, and listening online, and listening later on, we must, if we believe in the Word of God, we must believe that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? So all of us here have done things that we've asked for forgiveness, are involved in things currently that we need to seek forgiveness, but no matter what, we're all on the same playing field before the foot of the cross. No one's better and no one's worse. We're all together on this. So if as we go through the topic this morning, you think, oh my gosh, I'm there, I've done that. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, understand you're not alone. Now maybe we all don't sin in the same way, but sin is sin, yes? That's what the Bible says. Sin is sin. Doesn't matter what we do. Any disobedience to God and God's Word and His commandments is sin, yes? That's what the Bible says, all right? That's where we're focused. Because what has happened as I sit back and have studied for the last three or four weeks on this message was that I think the church has shrunk from wanting to preach this message or teach this message or share this message from the Word of God because we know that there are people within our midst, families, within our congregation, within our sphere of influence that have gone through this so we just don't want to talk about what the true teachings of Jesus are or the true teachings of God are because we're afraid we'll hurt somebody's feelings. That's not my intent today. I don't have to do that. I'm going to share what the Word of God says and let the Word of God do the rest. Amen? So if you have been down this path and it has not been the right path for you or choices were made or decisions were made and and things were changed then understand we can all go to the foot of the cross and through Jesus receive forgiveness because of his death his burial and his resurrection amen so yes Romans 3 23 applies for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God but the same forgiveness is there for all of us because of God's sacrificing of his son Jesus Christ there is no sin that's too far. There is no distance that you and I can be, or anyone can be, away from the cross that God can't bring us back together to be reconciled to Him and to have forgiveness. But we must begin and continue to teach the truth of the Word of God, yes? We may think we know it, but in today's world, because we've become silent, For the fear of hurting someone's feelings, what's happening to the next generations of folks coming along after us? They need to know the truth. They need to know what God expects so that they can then measure their life and prayerfully determine to live their life by the measure of the word of God. Yes? Yes? Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. Today... We know that we are where we are in a lot of regards because things, the true teachings of God have begun to crumble. Not because God's truth is crumbling, but because we are allowing it to crumble. We may know what it says, but we don't intentionally put it into action. Or when we have the opportunity to share the word of God and the truth of God, We shy away because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, folks, it's time to hurt people's feelings. Not personally, you and me, but to let the Word of God speak where the Word of God speaks. Yes. It says in the Word of God that if you don't know Jesus and your time and your ticket is called and you have not made that decision, you're going to hell. If that hurts you, Don't get mad at me. That's the Word of God. And that needs to motivate us. Because we may have kids. We may have relatives. We may have family that has not understood or made those decisions. The roast is done. And we need to be scared enough with a righteous fear of God that we'll go out on that limb... And share what the word of God says. And leave the consequences to be where they are in God's hands. Amen. We're going to talk about marriage today. Ah, Mark, we all know about that. Well, some of us may. But there's a whole world that doesn't understand it. Because it's slowly been chipped away at and crumbled at over many, 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 many years. Maybe from the beginning of time. When God created marriage. Did you all know that? It was? Marriage is not hallmark. they put on some pretty weddings at Hallmark, don't they? Always perfect weather. Marriage is not Hallmark. Marriage is not the tuxedo place. Marriage is just not some high ideal that man and women figured out and put in place. From the very beginning of the scriptures in Genesis, God ordained marriage. Marriage is God's. And to be quite frankly, we've messed it up. We've just messed it up. Now, I want to ask because I want all of us that have not been married that many years to see that marriage still works. Because it does. Amen? How many of you have been married more than 50 years? I don't, I haven't been. Not yet. 60 years. 65. I feel like an auctioneer. 65 70 that's all right look around folks no matter what the world has done and what we the church have allowed people to do with marriage it still works if we'd ask all these folks and we may do that one of these days ask them and put it up on the video up here what makes it work they'll tell you hard work they'll tell you commitment men will tell you to keep your mouth shut The sooner you learn that, the better. My grandparents both were married, both sets married over 50 years. One of them almost 70 years. Here's the the thing that I've told you before that just blows my mind They they, they were married almost 70 years and lived all but two weeks of that marriage in the same house. Whoa. Marriage still works, it's not easy. And it's definitely harder today than what it used to be, but it hasn't changed any. The same principles that God gave us in His Word to make marriage work are the same things that we have available to us today to make it work. But if we don't teach marriage from God's perspective, then how are the young people going to know what God expects? They've been inundated by the world, and the world's standards of marriage have been dropped like crazy. And we sit back and go, well, why is the family in such a problem? Well, it's in a problem because we deteriorated and disobeyed God's commandments, the creator of marriage, to the point that we are so confused about what marriage really is. And when we see it in front of us, we're not sure what it is. But it was was given to us by God. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, isn't that pretty crazy? The very first chapter... ...of the Bible, and we talk about marriage. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. This is in the beginning of creation, folks. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness... ...and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky... ...and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth... God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Now, folks, we either believe it or we don't. It's that simple. Well, Mark, what about this situation? I don't, the last I check, God don't need our help. When Jesus said it is finished, it means it's finished. When we read in Revelation that the words are done, you can't add or take away from, it's done. This is it. And we just read. God created them, male and female. Look at verse 28. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, And rule over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the sky. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. His first instruction. To those that were married. Be fruitful and multiply. It's God's plan. Amen. Amen. That's God's plan. Look at verse 31. Still in chapter 1. He just did all this creating. And in the midst of all this creating. He talks about. Male and female, and marriage, all right? Then he says this, at the end of the chapter, after all this work, he says, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. What God put into action, he saw was good. Why do we second-guess God? Why do we second-guess and think, oh, we can make marriage our way better? And this is much more fair, it's much more real, it's much more attuned to our culture. Booey! Anytime we are disobedient to the Word of God, anytime, we sin. God saw that this was good, and it's not for us to second guess. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Now understand this when you read the scriptures, and I think sometimes we forget this, is that you can be reading the scriptures and all of a sudden you'll read one chapter and you'll get to the next chapter, and you'll say, wait a minute, we already did that in that chapter. Sometimes things are not chronologically in line. What we hear is in Genesis chapter one, the overview of the creation of which male and female and man and woman and marriage is part of. But then we get a deeper thought of it in a later chapter. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So what does God do? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, in verse 24, for this reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word. Adam was created. God created all these animals, said, let's let's find somebody that. You can have fellowship with Adam while you're here. And it didn't work. It, it wasn't that it didn't work. It wasn't that God's plan didn't work. There was just not a helper suitable for the way that God found him. It's interesting in the study of this text, if you go back, as the animals are created and brought before Adam, there are, they are brought in basically in pairs, a male and a female. So God already had it worked out, folks. He already had it worked out. But he was showing Adam and teaching Adam as he went through this progression. And so look, there's something that didn't wasn't right here. And God said, I see it. Let's, let's prepare for you a helper. And it will come from you. Because you see, this marriage thing has more to do than just you and me as a husband and wife. Or you and your husband and you and your wife. This marriage thing, from the very beginning of the Bible has to refer to and relates to all through the scriptures to the relationship of God and us, of Jesus and us. And we'll read some of those scriptures in just a moment. Right here, right now in Genesis chapter 1, we see how this is all part of a bigger plan. And that's why it's so important that we understand it and that we profess it and teach it and strive to live it in our lives. If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Paul teaches here on marriage now we could spend hours if not days if not weeks just just drilling down on marriage that's not what we're doing today my prayer is is that when we leave here today we will leave here energized knowing that marriage is God's and he has a plan And has had a plan from the very beginning of time, and it's important for us to make sure that plan is conveyed to the world and lived out in our lives. All right? That's that's the goal. So we won't drill down into every little part, although Paul tries to later on, and you can read that for yourself. Now, concerning the things, verse 1. About which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does goes on to say, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourself to prayer and come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by word of concession, not of command, yet I wish that all men were even as myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in his manner and another in that. He goes on to talk about unmarrieds and widows and so on and so forth. But what I want to do is stop right there. We learn from Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 that there's a responsibility in marriage. God thought it through. He knew what was best. And it was best for us as married couples to honor each other. The world wants to throw in there a level of hierarchy that God does not give us. But rather he gives us that which will work because of his created plan. Adam was created first, but that didn't give him superiority over Eve. We saw where all that got him. But rather, he goes on to tell them that they are to love each other to the point that there will never need to be a reason or discussion of hierarchy. He gives us a reason and a plan so that we know how to enact and live out successfully our marriages And he knows that at some point in time in all decisions, a decision has to be made. It can't be a one-to-one vote. Amen? There has to be a decision. Or you'll stand on top of the burning building and never jump. Somebody at some point has to say, let's go. And that is God's created plan for a marriage. Is that we honor each other. Not as lording it over each other, or being higher than one another, or better than one another, but we love each other as Jesus loves us, no matter what, no matter how hard. Now again, we could go back through the scriptures, and a very important part of marriage is the pre-marriage, amen? The pre is really important in stuff, isn't it? How many of your cooks, no cooks in the church today, the first thing you do when you're making brownies or get ready to do, one of the first things is you preheat the oven. Yes? It works better if it's preheated, right? Things bake better. Marriage is no difference. The pre-marriage is extremely important. The Bible tells us, don't be unequally yoked. Oh, but Mark, I... I've got my life right with Christ. She may not have, but I'll get her there. What have we done? We have already begun to be disobedient to God's plan of marriage and set ourselves out to the possibility, the huge possibility and risk of failing. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And we could apply this same thought on marriage in topic after topic after topic Of why we are where we are today. Telling the truth. I don't think in the beginning when God created everything, there was a white lie. There was the truth. And there was the non-truth. Amen? But all of a sudden, because we thought we were so much smarter than God, we created a whole new segment so that we would feel better about ourselves. And in so doing, we have allowed ourselves... To move further from the plan of god in disobedience and and therefore in sin that we don't even see it as sin anymore that's where the devil comes in because he is the master of deception folks i get it we have a lot of situations in our world today and over time where things just didn't work in fact The Bible makes amends for marriages that have issues, and it gives very pointed things that allow for divorce. Amen? It does. That's what the Bible says if you read it. But the problem today is that we see that as our opening just in case we don't get it right to begin with. We need to take more time in the pre to make sure it's right so that we can live not just so that we can have a successful marriage, but so that we can be obedient And live as God wants us to live. Amen? That's when we experience the full and abundant life. The world today is totally, totally confused about marriage. Not just about the pre-marriage. They just don't even care about that. There's things going on in the pre-segment that they think are going to make their marriages better. But because it's in direct disobedience to what God wants, it can't help make it better. It can only make the foundation weaker when the marriage finally does come together. And I'm telling you. It's living together. Oh I just need to get to know them. I'm going to tell you now. Truth be. Truth fact. Probably over 50%. Maybe 70% of the marriages that I do today. Folks live together before. Or are living together currently. We talk about that. That that's not the way God would want it. I don't refuse to marry him Because I think that's the, that's a step in the right direction. But if they haven't gotten ready. Seriously based on the word of God. Then it, Nothing's going to make sense. The, the most important decisions for the bride and the bridegroom prior to saying, I do, is making sure they said, I do, to Jesus. Each, individually, on their own, not because of the other. Because if you have a foundation, Jesus, that's the equally yoked part, right? Now, it doesn't mean marriage is going to be perfect if you both got the equally yoked part right, right? How many of you had the equally yoke part, right, and it still had some ups and downs? Men, be careful. Lunch is on the table. See, I, I want us to be real because we have to be in the world in which we live. There are issues in the world in which we live, amen, and they're sin and they're disobedience to God, but they're real, and we as the church can't go plowing through that without love and sensitivity. But I think we've spent way too long not approaching what God's plan is openly and honestly and calling things out that are wrong and are in direct disobedience to God's plan that we don't even have a good plan ourselves. And if we expect new, younger people, whatever age people, to fix their lives, get it right with Jesus, and make marriage all that God planned for it to be, then we've got to teach them what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be two people, male, female, coming together, desiring to love each other beyond everything, no matter what happens. And if we've made mistakes in the pre-part, what we need to do is write those mistakes. How do you write sin? How do you write sin? Confess it. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. I'm a little concerned on your slowness in response. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, what you haven't done. As we started out, we all are on the same playing field. We have all sinned and fall short. We can all have the same forgiveness from the same God, the Creator, if we but ask and have a repentant and a confession heart and then begin to live that life that God's called us to live. But if we don't have enough knowledge if we don't have enough belief in the word of God that this is true and still applies today this still applies today folks this marriage plan is still God's plan for marriage today we must honor each other we must love each other we must come together and through the hard things and through the good things we must give it to God we must pray together we must go to church together we must have Bible study together, we must read the Word of God together, and we must surrender ourselves, as the New Testament says, ourselves to God, so that He can work within us to make it right. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, the whole chapter talks about the changeless Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, not just those who are married, but marriage is to be held in honor because it's God's plan among all people, married or not. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. That's what the Bible says. If we've fallen short in that area, then we have the same passage of forgiveness through confession and repentance that anyone has. You're never too low for God to get you back up and get you on the right path. It doesn't matter what our sin is, God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. So no matter what we have done Or where we have fallen short Even maybe yet this morning We can still Confess and repent And receive forgiveness And move on Striving to be totally obedient To the word of God and therefore bringing Glory and honor to God And having that Joy filled life That Jesus said he came to give us I came that you might have life And have it abundantly He God is not up there going. Hey, I'm gonna give you this strict rules because I just want to nail you No He wants us to have the best of every part of life He wants us to have the best of when we're single. He wants us to have the best if we choose to be married He wants us to have the best in our marriage life. He wants us to have the best as parents He wants us to have the best in our life, in our jobs, in everything. Because that's the loving God that created us. God instituted. God instituted monogamous marriage. Why? One, because he created marriage. He should know what's best. Amen? And two... He knew that's how we could successfully live his pattern of that marriage. God created male and female. It blows my mind, and yet it doesn't, how how we can be where we are today when we're so confused about the world's term gender. God created us, if so-called, as Paul talks about, not everyone's called to be married. That we should leave our mothers and fathers and cleave to one another and become one flesh. Marriage is a divine origin. It's it's to be sanctified. There is a sanctity in marriage. God's plan is one man, one woman, one flesh. Just as in the In the New Testament, we learn of of things that were not in obedience to God in accordance with male and female relationships. Those two, just like today, forgiveness is available for everyone because it's sin, and all of us are there. Romans 3.23, yes? Scripture represents marriage as an earthly counterpart to the relationship between Christ and the church. Listen again. You see, this, this marriage thing is just not about God wanting to do us a favor. I'll tell you what, I love being single. How many of you love being single? I'm not sitting next to my spouse right now. I love being single. I did. It was fun. But I'm going to tell you why, it doesn't hold a candle to be married. Now, am I standing here before you to tell us that we have a 38 perfect years but I love being married. But marriage is not just about us. There's a higher level about marriage because God's always constantly teaching us, yes? Always teaching all of us. And that's so exciting that every moment that he has an opportunity when his word is proclaimed or we pick it up and read it or we see it lived out in somebody else's life, He's not just teaching them. He's teaching us. Marriage, the scripture represents marriage as an earthly counterpart to the relationship between Christ and the church. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And I promise I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and on. Here's some more of God's instructions. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? To infinity and beyond. You with little kids know that one, don't you? Buzz Lightyear, right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. We're supposed to love them, love them, love them, and give himself up for her christ gave himself up for the church we must be willing to give ourself our selfishness up for our wives just like we need to be willing to give ourselves our selfishness up for christ and his church he goes on to say so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might prevent present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ also does the church because we are members of his body for this reason Old Testament being brought forward. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you what. You take these words out of this building and run out into the Walmart Or the restaurant and start saying them, the world is going to react angrily. Should we expect anything less? Should we expect anything less when we present the truth of the word of God? But no matter how they react, that should not prevent us from being willing to live out and present what the word of God says, even if it steps on toes. And we need to do it in love and being sensitive and making sure we explain to them, as we have shared here this morning, that we all stand on equal ground at the foot of the cross. We have all made mistakes and continue to fall short right now of the glory of God. But we all stand ready, willing, and able, and invited to receive the grace of our Creator, the forgiveness of our sins. That's God's plan for Mary.